Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm Carrie Green, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jacqueline Cooper and Michael Cunningham. Hello. Hi, everybody. Today, we're talking about the eighth prompt in the 2022 Books and Bites reading challenge, novellas. And from what I've read, the definition for novella is based purely on length. Generally, it's anything under 200 pages. So this prompt is fairly open as far as genre. I think you can pretty much find anything you want to read that's (laughs) under that. (laughs) Although it can be a little more challenging than just finding a regular novel because I think a lot of publishers don't want to publish a novella because it's shorter or something. What do you all think? Yeah, I feel like most of the novellas you see tend to be either small presses instead of these, you know, being a random house and bigger Mm -hmm. publishers. I don't know why that is. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I the book I actually found is only published as an ebook because it is like around a hundred pages, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. There isn't a book edition, so I could see where that would be more economical for the publishers. And I actually I think now that you say that I think some big writers will self-publish their own novellas, you know, as like ebooks or whatever, or even short stories. They'll pub, you know, self-publish those. And maybe it's because they they can't get a traditional publisher for it. But it does seem like there would be a market for it. People like to read, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's so busy. Reading a novella is kind of nice. Oh, it's, yeah. You can just read it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you can get more done in a year, so you feel like you're reading <laughs> yeah. a lot of books. I think with the young adult genre, I don't know if maybe there's not as big a market for it, unless it's just like... So, like, the one I chose is, like, like the 1.5 of the series. Mm-hmm. And they, that tends to be what happens in the YA literature. Mm-hmm. And I guess partly, I, as I was looking around, I was kind of, you know, wondering about the definition of short story versus novella. And it didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was there was a clear difference to me. What did mm-hmm. you guys think? Well, I think a novella is kind of in between a short story and a novel, but I don't know what the exact page number yeah. is. I mean, I've seen some short stories that almost, you know, the approach novella length, like, you know, mm-hmm. 60 to 80 pages. But, you know, I guess it just depends on the publisher. Cause sometimes they'll, they'll take that, you know, like a novella or something. And place it with other short stories to make like a collection, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. So I guess it, I don't know. It's, I think it's a very subjective. Oh, that's true. Sometimes I've seen where they've tacked it on to the, the last of the book or something. They, I, have seen, I have seen that yeah. in the past. Mm-hmm. I know Stephen King has like a collection of novellas that's published as, as mm-hmm. a big book. Mm-hmm. But like, you know. Or it will be included with other short stories yeah. sometimes, yeah. too. An anthology of short stories. Just well, usually by, like, by one author. Yeah, by one author. Yeah. yeah. 
And also, I think a lot of the classics you may have read in school are actually novellas, like Animal Farm that you were talking about, we were talking about earlier. Um, The Great Gatsby is a novella. The Awakening is a novella. The Old Man in the Sea. Yeah, The Old Man in the Sea. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's partly because that's what they choose for younger audiences (laughs) is the shorter works. So you've probably read a lot of novellas, even if you didn't realize it. Okay, well, I can't believe that we're on the eighth challenge of the Books of Bites reading challenge. It's flying. It is flying. So we have some good recommendations for you for this month, so stay tuned. The book I chose is A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. A Psalm for the Wild Built is dedicated, quote, to anybody who could use a break, unquote, which after two and a half years of pandemic life and social upheaval must include a lot of people. I know it includes me, and I can say that this book was exactly what I needed to read right now. You may have heard me or former Books and Bites co-host Melissa Colston talk about Chambers' Wayfarer series, which kicked off with The Long Way to a Small, Angry Planet. That series of cozy sci-fi features an interspecies ensemble cast traveling through space. A Psalm for the Wild Built has a similar cozy feel, but it focuses on two main characters, a monk and a robot. Dex is a monk from the only city in Panga. Dex, who uses they pronouns, feels dissatisfied with their life, even though Panga is, quote, a healthy place, a thriving place, a never-ending harmony of making, doing, growing, trying, laughing, running, living, unquote. More than anything, Dex wants to hear crickets. They decide to become a village tea monk and travel from place to place offering tea and sympathy, or rather empathy, to all who need it. With hard work, Dex becomes good at this new job, but they still feel dissatisfied and empty, and they still can't hear crickets. Dex learns that one of the few places where crickets still exist is at the Hermitage, the ruins of an old monastery. Though the hermitage is in a wild area, uninhabited by humans, Dex decides to travel there. On his first night of camping in the wild, Dex is startled by a robot named Splendid Speckled Mosscap. Dex has never seen a robot before. Mosscap, who lives in the half of Panga that is designated for robots, has never seen a human before. Mosscap has been sent by its fellow robots to learn what humans need. Mosscap, who towers over Dex, is much more excited to meet Dex than Dex is to meet Mosscap. Nevertheless, Dex allows Mosscap to join them, and what follows is an interspecies buddy journey through a beautiful forest. Dex and Mosscap learn about each other and themselves along the way, And the book asks important questions about the nature of happiness, work, and purpose, as well as about the ethics of human-created consciousness. As in the Wayfarer series, 
The world building in this book is the kind I prefer, where you are dropped into this other world without too much explanation. In fact, Chambers purposely leaves some aspects mysterious. We know, for instance, that at some point in the past, the robots took over all the human factory jobs, and we know that there was some sort of transition where robots had an awakening and the humans allowed them to leave. The specifics are left unsaid, perhaps to be revealed in later books. With a psalm for the wild built, Chambers asks the questions, what kind of a world do I want to live in and how do I want to live in it? Her answers offer a hopeful vision for all of us. The book's short length feels right for the subject matter, but I for one am glad that the second book in the series, A Prayer for the Crown Shy, just came out. I look forward to spending more time with Dex and Moss Cat. In his life as a tea monk, Dex custom blends teas for his clients. While we don't have the pangan herb mountain thyme, we do have other varieties of thyme that make excellent teas. According to the book Homegrown Tea, an illustrated guide to planting, harvesting, and blending teas and tisanes, thyme may help with colds, coughs, stress, and depression. Fresh lemon and orange thyme make especially good teas, and you can blend them with ginger or other herbs and serve the tea hot or cold. I tried it with lemon thyme and ginger, and it was soothing and delicious. For specific instructions for ginger thyme tea, visit gastroplant.com. We'll link to the recipe on our blog. So that so it's like cozy sci-fi? Yes, wow. cozy sci-fi. <laughs> it's it's a whole genre within a genre. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Yeah, I didn't either until Melissa, I think, talked about a lo- the long way to a small angry planet on the podcast, and I later listened to it on audio and really liked it. It kind of focused on, you know, the kind of issues that I like to read about, which is more like relationships and you know, how people communicate with each other and, but, you know, it's like interspecies and in this other world. And I also like how in that book and in this book, you know, she deals with some topics like gender, you know, this character is non-binary and uses they pronouns and it sort of helps me to become used to some of those issues in this kind of, you know, non-threatening way it makes you think about things you know like i said you know she's really talking about the nature of like what is our purpose here and and also you know this this land that really you know they had something really awful happened we don't quite know what it is yet but they came out from it on the other side and came out better and i just feel like you know, the news is so hopeless right now <laughs> that it really helps to read something like that. Yeah. That reminds me of a book that I that kind of that I just read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an older book, so it doesn't have like the pronoun ish, issues, but it does have the the interspecies and mm-hmm. the taking over of, of like the elimination of planets and people mm-hmm. trying to find love with 
within other species and mm-hmm. stuff. It's called I Am Number Four. It is a YA book of, mm-hmm. by Pittacus Lore. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, when you're talking about that, that brought that book into mm-hmm. mind because mm-hmm. of, of, it wasn't necessarily cozy, though. So <laughs> <laughs> a little less cozy, more sci-fi, but, yeah. but parts of it reminded uh-huh. me of that. But. Yeah, cool. My recommendation for a novella is Holly Black's The Lost Sisters. Does the title sound like a fairy tale from Grimm Brothers or Charles Perrault? I think it does. However, unlike old tales, this author wrote these tales, whereas other tales were told from person to person in the oral tradition. Black is a master storyteller. She weaves the essence of fairy tales into these stories, She begins the story in very much the oral tradition. Often oral tradition fairy tales or folklores have animals with magical powers or tricksters. This novella begins with the main character, Taryn, who is a human living in fairyland, recounting her tale to her twin. Taryn is twin sister to Jude, and they also have an older sister, Vivianne, who is a half-sister, and she's a fairy, unlike Taryn and Jude. In this story, Taryn says she's sorry about what happened between her and her sister in the first book of the Folk of the Air series, which is The Cruel Prince. Both human girls worry about finding their place in this fairyland because neither of them have fairy blood. They both choose different paths to find their place. Jude chooses to become part of the fairy guard using her sword to be, she wants to be a a guard. But Taryn chooses love. However, her choice affects Jude in a major way. In an effort to win her place by marriage, she does not warn Jude that her lover Locke is using Jude to test her love by courting Jude. The novel is Taryn's story of her and Locke's romance and her explanation of how and why she stood by and let Locke break her sister's heart. Although Black is, in my opinion, one of the best YA young authors we have right now, in the fantasy genre. I'm not sure if this novella could stand on its own. Since I have read the series before I read this novella, I get all the references to the other characters from the book, but I'm not sure everyone would. That said, I still recommend this to anyone who likes books about fairies and fairy tales. The book begins with the story of Mr. Fox. It's a tale that she begins telling her sister. Mr. Fox marries young women for financial gain. However, a young girl he's about to marry is curious, and she visits Mr. Fox's house. When she enters the gate, she becomes across a message written throughout the grounds of the home. The first message says, be bold, be bold, but not too bold. This tale is very much a warning, like many fairy tales. There is a lesson or a moral. The intelligent curious and bold girl discovers that Mr. Fox is a bluebeard. Her curiosity and her boldness helps her discover that her future husband is a murderer. Taryn goes on to explain that the murder girls were also bold because they trusted the wrong people and died. But she doesn't think that Jude will feel that way. But because she chose marriage like they did, she relates to them. She says she's sorry and she wants to explain how everything happened. She says she will apologize when she can figure out how to have Jude accept her apology. Black then has Taryn talk about 
her mother's story. Another human woman who marries a fairy person. Taryn tells Jude that she will tell her a love story. Or she asks her, is it a horror story? Quote, let's start with a love story or perhaps a horror story. It seems like the difference is mostly where the ending comes, end quote. Taryn begins her explanation with her mother's story. She believes that they need to learn the lessons from their mother, Ava, who was bold but not too bold. Lest your heart's blood run cold, the quote that runs throughout the story, be bold but not too bold. She tells her sister Jude that she won't make the same mistakes. She knows the lessons from the stories. Stay on the past. Don't trust wolves. Don't steal things. Share your food, but don't trust people who share their food. Taryn tells her sister that she won't be tricked like her mother, and she knows what she wants, and she agrees to do what is asked of her by Locke. However, Taryn's agreement to some of the conditions also affect her twin. She explains to Jude that she went through the situation with Locke with her eyes wide open, knowing that there was a possibility that she could be hurt. However, she never thought that anyone else would be hurt by the bargain that she made with her fox-haired fairy lover. I chose to pair this with a peach sorbet from Serious Eats, a smooth and easy treat with peaches as ripe as the peaches of the cheeks of the twin girls in the beginning of the story. Black weaves a fairy tale within a fairy tale. And I think this series is one of her finest works. It's pretty short, which is why I believe we were talking about that it was an ebook, and it but it is available through Kentucky Libraries Unbound. Sounds good. Yeah, I've I've heard I know I, that's a very popular series I've seen here. That is it the Cruel Prince series or what is it? Yeah, the Cruel Prince is the first okay. book, but the series is actually the Folk of the Air series. Oh, gotcha. And there's it's a it's a trilogy, but now she's she's written this novella. Too, mm-hmm. that goes with it and actually she wrote, she wrote another novella which is the cruel prince's story of how he became the the prince of Elfame, which is the fairyland and it's beautifully illustrated if you like to look at illustrations and with stories and stuff like that that's it's a beautifully illustrated woman i've noticed that how authors will who have written a series will create an ebook only novella that you can only get mm. through Kentucky Library is Unbound might offer it or Amazon. Um, you know, like a one, like you said, like years, like a 1.5. So it happens like in the middle between, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of books. Yeah, so. I think she could, especially if she illustrated like the, I believe the, the other book, the novella is uh, How the King of Elfame Learned to Hate Stories, which is an interesting title. Hmm. And she just weaves stories inside of her stories and it's just fascinating Mm -hmm. because there's like three tales within this one tale Mm -hmm. which i find fascinating Mm -hmm. i I don't know i think there's probably a term for that but i'm not sure (laughs) i mean yeah i don't know i've just heard people talk about stories within stories michael you like those too Yeah. yeah i've read one that was last month Mm-hmm. With a story within another story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within another story. I thought Michael would like this one because of the horror. Like, fairy tales often have that horror, which oh, yeah. horror aspect to it, you know, like it's Grimm's telling. Oh, yeah. You know, you, and the original Grimm's are terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Bluebeard, you know, yeah. like this actual story of the the story she starts with, the Bluebeard story is like, you know, he he's like cutting off the hand the hand of the girl to get 
to get the ring off of her finger, and oh. it's pretty Dang. gruesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting about this also is that the fairyland, you would think fairyland would be all happy, and but there's a lot of fighting and a lot of their very... There's a lot of cruelty in Fairyland. Very Game in of Thrones-like? Huh? Game of Thrones-like? Yeah. Fairyland. In this Fairyland, in, in Black's Fairyland, of course. Mm-hmm. And she's created this whole world, like this this Elfheim, and it has like all these islands. And not so much – she doesn't talk about the that as much in this story, of course. But there's also the whole ocean is another part of the story. There's a whole ocean land. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, I'll have to do The Cruel Prince, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've read these, like, over and... I've read... They're so good, I've read them over and over. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, wow. Yeah. They're just... There's ones that you just don't... You want more. Yeah. Like, Holly, write some more. <laughs> That's how I am with Game of Thrones. It's like, come on. It's been 11 years. <laughs> I wonder if that's why some some people write their own versions or own endings, and they continue other authors off of people's stories. Yeah, Robert Jordan is another famous example where he passed away before he finished uh, the Wheel of Time series. So Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson, to come in and finish it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I know they tell you you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I totally did with my novella this month, Below, by Laurel Hightower. I encourage you to Google it. It's absolutely stunning. You might recall I recommended this Kentucky author's debut novel, Whispers in the Dark, in a previous episode. This fast-paced novella opens with Addie making a solo road trip through the West Virginian mountains to attend a horror convention with some friends. It's her first big trip since divorcing her husband of 11 years, a husband that emotionally and mentally abused her over the years, making her feel worthless and not capable of doing anything on her own, making all the decisions for her. Traversing the mountains as it's about to get dark, she nearly hits a van head on that's parked in her lane facing the wrong way. Her nerve shot, she pulls off at a nearby truck stop where she meets a truck driver named Mads who witnessed her near accident. She experiences some weird electrical issues with her car. She tries to leave the truck stop, leaving Addie to warily accept a portable CB radio from Mads, who expresses his concern for her traveling the mountains alone in the dark with a snowstorm on its way. So Addie follows Mads to the toll roads, talking to him on the CB, which helps to alleviate her anxiety some. That is, until they are crossing a bridge when something with red eyes flies in front of Mads' truck, causing it to jackknife and careen down to a deep ravine. Addie can't reach Mads on the CB, her cell phone is out of range, and her car is also bizarrely dead, leaving her unable to go for help. She makes one of the toughest decisions of her life. She must traverse the steep, dark hillside to help Mads, a stranger who is kind enough to help her out. Only she doesn't know that she's descending into hell. Addie must battle with herself just as much as a creature or creatures pursuing her down the hill and into the cave where the truck now lies. I don't think it's a spoiler, especially once you see the cover art, but this is a Mothman story. If you don't know Mothman, he's the famous Appalachian cryptid that hails from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, who's really been experiencing a moment as of late in pop culture. This one is a fast-paced read with a cliffhanger ending almost every chapter. 
clocking in at 106 pages, you could easily finish this in one sitting. This one is best described as, you come for Mothman, but stay for the awesome character development. Addie is a fantastic character who transforms over the novella and really comes into her own. I highly recommend this to fans of No Exit by Taylor Adams, who want, maybe want a little more horror thrown in, fans of strong characters and creature features in general. So I paired this with the West Virginian specialty pepperoni rolls. It originated apparently among Italian-Americans who migrated to West Virginia to work in the coal mines and eventually became a West Virginia staple. I found this recipe on the Soccer Mom blog. It calls for yeast, flour, egg, salt, sugar, pepperoni, mozzarella, cheese, and butter. I haven't made this recipe yet, trying to, trying to track down the yeast, but it sounds absolutely delicious and looks delicious. Mm. Y'all making me hungry now. And I, don't I know. I, like, I looked at those pictures and uh, my stomach started immediately rumbling. Oh. Yeah, I would like to try one to you. I never have. My dad and his family were from West Virginia, but I don't know if that was later than them. Although, you know, my grandpa worked in the coal mines and he, you know, oh, wow. he mentioned that Italians, you know, worked in the coal mines with him. So. They, you know, maybe they did have pepperoni rolls then. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I know there's like specialty places yeah. in West Virginia, but like that's all, all they do. Yeah, I know. I really want to go to Mount Pleasant because they got a Mothman Museum and a whole oh, statue. Really? <laughs> cool. It's interesting yeah. the food from different places, you oh, know, yeah. around the world, like you know, or in the United States. Oh yeah, like. There's so much, like you go down south, of course you're from the south. Oh, you get barbecue and all different kinds, types of barbecue. And then one podcast episode, I did a story, you know, I think it was a short story collection set kind of New England or the author was from New England and did a Fluffernutter sandwich, which I never had or heard of before, (laughs) which was, those are good. Those are terrible for you. Midwestern. And something like the pepperoni roll, like that's influenced by immigrant culture. And I think a lot of American food is like that. Too, oh, yeah. Where it's, you know, other groups have come in and really influenced our food culture, which is fascinating, too. We could talk a whole podcast oh, yeah. about that. Thanks for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. For more information about the Books and Bites reading challenge, visit our website at justpublib.org forward slash books hyphen bites. Our theme music is The Breakers by Scott Whitten from his album In Close Quarters with the Enemy. Find out more about Scott and his music on his website, adoreforadesk.com.